Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, it's, it always feels a little awkward starting these. Uh, like, uh, and, and now we begin. And now? And now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're just going to jump into it. How's it going, freaks? Hey there. Hey, what's up? We've had a busy week. Uh, recovering from our three-episode week. Also, we hit a million downloads, so that's been exciting. That was that was crazy. We uh, were a little uh, amazed by that and grateful. Yeah, none of this would be a thing if it weren't for you and how amazing and incredible you are. And I just, I'm so, I'm overwhelmed. Well, it would have been a thing, but a very short-lived one. I would have just stayed here. Right, in our room. Yeah. With us and the dogs, but we're so happy to be able to share this with yes, you. Yes, we're so glad to be outside of this room, um, because if you stay in one room for too long, bad things happen. Have you read The Shining? That's a Stephen King novel, I do believe. <laughs> we're getting some amazing messages uh, as well, and since we had the big Halloween episode with the stories uh, sent from you, our beauties, it, we've been getting a lot of stories since then, and which is good, because... We are going to be revisiting that template. Yeah. So keep those stories in mind. Um, This we got uh, through our Instagram page, and I just loved it. So I hope you don't mind if I share. Tegan wrote us and said, I know that it's no longer Halloween, but the strangest thing has happened in the last couple of days, and I thought you would enjoy it. My mother-in-law passed away about two years ago. She was very close to her son and treated me like I'd always been a part of their family. The last two nights, a cabbage butterfly has been in my kitchen. Same spot, same time, both nights. 
Pretty sure it was the same one, even though the night before I put it outside, safely away from my cats. Good call, by the way. Today, my husband lost his job and had to drive down to his parents' house to find something in order to ship it back to his former employer. While he was in his mother's studio, the light was flashing, but not sporadically, more in a consistent rhythm. He said, Mom, is that you? The flickering stopped, and then there was one solid blink of light. And then the light turned off. So he updated her on everything and let her know that we were both okay. And even though it's rough, we always get through it. I looked up white butterflies and they're known to be representations of spirits. I've been struggling with depression lately and it was nice to know that my mother-in-law was there to say, you got this, I'm here for you and I love you. Not creepy, but definitely something we both needed. Thank you for your amazing podcast. That's amazing. I love stories like that. It's just so beautiful. And just thank you for writing to us. And I just, I appreciate it. And those things happen around us all the time. I think most of the time it's very easy to just write it all off as coincidence, but you can't really. Right. No, like your experience with your mom. Yeah. I I told the story, I think, in one of the early episodes Mm. of The Box of Oddities. Uh, But for those of you who may be just jumping in now, I lost my mother to breast cancer years ago. The summer before she passed away, she was still feeling pretty well, and she went out to visit my sister in Oregon. Before she left, she wrote my dad a little note on a sticky post-it note and stuck it on his computer screen. But apparently the adhesive came loose. It, it fell off, and he, had never, he, he never saw it. When she passed away, it was at home, and it was during a big blizzard, and we had to wait for the funeral home to come and, and get her because it was just it was so snowy out there. And while we waited, the phone rang and my dad answered it and there was nobody there. So he hung up the phone and a few minutes later, it rang again. Same thing. Nobody there hung up the phone. We're thinking, ah, it's probably the storm. Something, you know, something stormy, something storm related. Then it happened a third time. The phone rang and there was nobody there. So my dad goes down to his den. He's just we're waiting for the funeral home. He's just trying to stay busy. So he's in his his den. He was a university professor and he was just tidying up to stay busy And he found the post-it note that my mom had written the summer before. He had never seen it. It said, take care of yourself. Don't worry about me. And I'll call you when I get there. Coincidence? Who knows? I prefer to think that there are just some things that we don't understand, nor can we perceive. And I carry that story with me all the time. Just to remind me that, yeah, maybe we've lost our moms or our dads or whoever, but... I don't think they're that far away. I really don't. I love that story. We really just don't know what the true story is. Just like my first story today, we don't really know what this is, but it sure is interesting. In June of 1979, a man calling himself Robert C. Christian approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small group of loyal Americans and asked the company if he could commission them to create, well, basically an American version of Stonehenge. Okay, just for funsies? Just for funsies. Uh, No, according to Wikipedia, he wanted it to function as a compass, a calendar, a clock, and it should be capable of withstanding catastrophic events. Seems like a pretty tall order. Joe Fendley of Elberton Granite assumed that uh, this guy was a nut and attempted to discourage him by giving him a quote about four times higher than uh, what he would normally quote. 
So he thought that that quote of about four times what he would normally charge would... uh, Deter him? Yeah. It did not? It did not. No. In in fact, he said, all right, uh, not a problem. And he paid the guy the money. I don't know how much it was, but it must have been a ridiculous amount of money because we're talking about giant granite slabs that are almost 20 feet high with capstones. And there's like four or five of them. There's like a pillar in the middle, Mm -hmm. like an obelisk. And then I think four of these giant granite slabs with a capstone on top. Now, on each side of each granite slab Mm -hmm. are 10 laws that have been chiseled into the stone. And on each side, it's in a different language. Laws like the laws of man or like laws of... They're actually guidelines or principles. Kind of like commandments. Kind of like commandments, but nobody knows who put these here because this Robert C. Christian doesn't exist. It was a pseudonym. He didn't reveal who the small group of loyal Americans were Mm -hmm. that wanted to put these commandments up. But it was important enough for them to have these commandments put up that they raised an incredible amount of money and also hid who they were. Weird. Yeah. And according to the Granite Company, this uh, Christian guy Mm -hmm. said that uh, they spent 20 years designing these guidelines. All right. I have a couple questions. What year was this? It was June of 79 that he went in and uh, first approached the Granite Company on construction of this monolith. Okay. And also, his pseudonym is Christian? R.C. Christian. Robert C. Christian. He also, you know, he would sign it R.C. Christian. And many think that's a clue as to who is behind this. Right. The construction happened a year later in 1980. The languages that these guidelines are written in are English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. And then on the top, it's in like ancient Sanskrit and these dead languages. So what do they say? What do these guidelines say? Number one, maintain humanity under 500 million people in perpetuant balance with nature. 500 million people. That's about 8% of the current population on Earth. Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, rule passion, faith, tradition in all things with tempered reason. This, okay. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. I like that. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. States' rights, I'm in. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Yes, please. I think we can all agree on that one. Number eight, balance personal rights and social duties. Okay, I'm in. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, and seeking harmony with the infinite. Number ten, be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. That was carved in twice. So a lot of these, I think most people go, yeah, hey, cool, no problem. Totally in. The the issues that people have with it are... The eugenics part of it? The eugenics part of it. uh, Maintain humanity under 500 million perpetual balance with nature. I mean, I'm not against that. I just, how to get to that point is a little sketchy. That's just it. And I think that uh, that kind of evokes imagery of the Illuminati and the elite ruling class secretly pushing buttons behind the scene. If there was a campaign to bring 
the world population down 92.5%, which is what it would be mm-hmm. based on today's population, you can bet it's not going to be the ruling power elite that are eliminated. Right. So there's an issue with that. And then the guiding reproduction wisely. I, I understand, you know, where you're going to go with this. Do you? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> go ahead. I'm not against that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's like in China. The one baby rule. One baby rule. I don't, that's not still a thing, right? I don't think it is. In November 2013, the third blah, blah, blah of China announced the decision to relax the one-child policy. Under the new policy, families could have two children if one parent rather than both parents was an only child. So, I mean, it's still, there's still... There's still guidelines. Guidelines. Yeah. So we don't know what, what group put this up. No. Or how they decided upon these specific rules. No. Or really who they're for. Like, it's just, I mean, you can... Like, I could put a stick in the woods and write, you know, don't ever put olives on a sandwich. Sure. But that doesn't mean that it means anything. That's it's not just... going to be a lasting message. Right. And one that I think most people, certainly in the deli industry, would disagree with. If they like garbage food. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't understand your hatred for olives. <sighs> I'm sorry. We're anyway. getting off track. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> um, but no, they built this to last. The idea behind this clearly, and it even said in the instructions, it has to uh, withstand like an apocalypse mm-hmm. or an apocalyptic event. Oh, and by the way, I mentioned the ancient languages. Yeah. It wasn't just Sanskrit. It was uh, Babylonian, classical Greek, and ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. Do you think maybe it's a marker for people who travel back in time and an opportunity Ooh. to start fresh. Like they see these markers and they say, okay, these are the rules that we should live by. And that's why they would have the opportunity to main pa- maintain balance at 5 million. 500 million. At 500 yeah. million. You know what? I've delved into a number of the, of the popular conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. That one was not listed, but it is now my favorite. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. I love that idea. Because there's no logical way for us to say, okay, we'll maintain balance at 500 million right now. But if we went back in time, we would have that opportunity to construct guidelines for society that would allow us to maintain that balance without it being like, oh, well, let's kill off 90% of the people. Now, a few feet to the west of the monument, there's an additional granite ledger that's been set uh, level to the ground, the tablet identifies the structure, the languages on it, lists various facts about the size, the weight, and astronomical features of the stones, the, okay. date, the date it was installed, and the sponsors of the project, but not really the sponsors of the project. And it also speaks of a time capsule that's supposedly buried beneath that tablet. A time capsule, you say? Yes, a time capsule. However, it says time capsule... Uh, was buried on, and then there's no date. And then it says, time capsule to be exhumed, and there's been no date. So it leads people to believe that nothing's been buried there yet. (gasps) Okay, so this is for post-apocalypse, so that the people who are rebuilding will go by. So instead of going back in time, Mm -hmm. it would be an opportunity for those who are rebuilding society to follow these commandments to main, to avoid another apocalypse because of overpopulation, et cetera, et cetera. That is one of the most popular theories Mm -hmm. as to what it is. They even said it needs to withstand an apocalyptic event. Right. So it wouldn't really, 
necessarily be let's eliminate 92.5% of the population. Right. It's, it's just like, happened. And this is what you're dealing with in the aftermath. Right. So don't let it go above this. Right. Because we saw what happened last time. Because essentially 500 million people, that's about half of the population of India. I don't know how many people are in, in like a I, billion. I, no, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't translate in my brain. Okay. I need right. something more. Okay. I need it measured in grilled cheese sandwiches. In grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, if you made a 500 grilled cheese sandwich, if I've, no, for those of you who follow us on social media, you'll get that. <laughs> the rest of you follow us on social media and you'll get that. Chiseled in, it says the author is R.C. Christian, but it also says right beside that a pseudonym. And interestingly, they misspelled pseudonym. Well, if they put this much time and effort into it, I don't think a misspelling would have happened it's interesting. by mistake. How did they misspell it? Uh, well, they, they spelled pseudonym with an N. Pseudonin. Pseudonin. Yeah, pseudonin. So, yeah, it leads many people to think, for those reasons that you just mentioned, that it might be some sort of a, of a clue. Mm. Sponsors? It says, a small group of Americans who seek the age of reason. And then under the time capsule, it says, place six feet below the spot on, no, no date. And right. Then, to be opened on, and then, and then no date. So then they would fill in those dates when they put the time capsule in when, when the end of the world is happening, basically. Maybe. I don't know. It's like Terminator. <laughs> How is it like Terminator? It just is. I like Let's where you're on. going with it. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Well, it's uh, something that we will revisit each year on our anniversary. No, it's <laughs> yeah, it's one of our one of our weird little traditions on our anniversary. We watch Terminator. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's like um, you know you you craft the information needed for those who are uh, going to rebuild your society, right. whether it be post-apocalyptic or it, the time capsule in a, in a sense is ter- is the Terminator, not Terminator, not, not the Terminator, but uh, what's his name? Kyle Reese. Yeah. So he's the time capsule. Okay. Linda Hamilton is the synonym. 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 Cinnamon rolls. Terminator tangent over. That's one of the conspiracy theories. Another one is that the group behind it are the Rosicrucians. RC. Yes. The Rosicrucians are known for publishing three manifestos um, at the beginning of the 17th uh, century. And a lot of what they said in their manifesto lines up with some of the things that are on the uh, Georgia Guidestones. The Rosicrucian fraternity existed in America prior to the American Revolution. Benjamin Franklin was a member of it. Thomas Paine was a member of it. The name R.C. Christian could have just been a, a simply a meaningless pseudonym, but uh, why was it engraved on the monument for posterity? Does it have any significance? Well, R.C. Christian is uh, could be a, a reference to uh, Christian Rosenkraus, whose English name was Christian Rose Cross, the uh, legendary founder of the Rosicrucian order. Some might say that uh, there's a, a resemblance between R.C. Christian and Christian Rose Cross. Uh, the result, is that an odd coincidence, or is that one of the clues and one of the markers that uh, who is really behind it are the Rosicrucians? Okay. And then on the on the uh, tablet, it said, let these be guidestones to an age of reason. And the age of reason was written by Thomas Paine. 
who was a member of the Rosicrucians. Interesting. A lot of weird things have happened there. At one point, uh, a number of years ago, a granite cube, a six-inch cube that was on top of the monument was stolen. It disappeared. Mm. A few years later, police arrested a guy in the middle of the night trying to put the cube back on the monument. And he admitted to them that he was the one that stole it. He did it for, he said something like numerological reasons, some kind of mysticism kind of stuff. But he said he had to put it back because he just couldn't bear the weight any longer. And I don't think he was talking about the physical weight of it because it's a six-inch cube. Right. So what does that mean exactly? Since then, the monuments have been constantly uh, defaced and vandalized by people uh, saying things like, fuck the New World Order and stuff like that. So it is thought to be, by a lot of people, Mm -hmm. either demonic in nature I don't think anything about that sounds demonic in any way. I mean, most of the the ideas are pretty chill. I mean, there's some, you know, out there stuff, but, you know, everyone's weird aunt has some out there ideas. It's been called the um, Ten Commandments of the Antichrist. Oh, you know, calm yourself. <laughs> That's what some people call it. Most people think that it is somebody, uh, like a a secret society behind it, like the Freemasons, Mm -hmm. the Rosicrucians, the Illuminati, the New World Order, the uh, Trilateralist Commission, the Bilderberger Group. Bilderberger Group? Yeah, Bilderbergers. It's like Build-A-Bear, but for grown-ups. It's like Build-A-Bear, but for the elite, powerful people who run society in secret and are plotting our extermination. Build-A-Burger. That would be a good name for it, like a do-it-yourself burger place. Right? Build you get burger. you pick your bun yeah. and you pick your patty. Right. And you uh, have like a veggie please. Like a, and like then a you have like a salad bar, bar of yeah. toppings. Yeah, I love that idea. Thank you. It's a little bit like Fuddruckers, actually. A little bit, yeah. Which by the way is also an ancient secret society. Yes. Little known fact. They think you should have more children and a milkshake. Well, this has been very educational. I had never heard of this thing. It's in Georgia. Anybody can go see it. It's just in a cow pasture. The Georgia Guideposts. And is it officially a Georgia state-owned thing now? Is it? Is that? Is it? Sta- is it yes. property of? Yes. Okay. It, it, it doesn't it, belong to like the cow owner. The land was purchased from the cattle guy. Okay. But the group that bought it from him allows his family to have grazing rights. Oh, that's nice. On the land. See, I like these people. And then once the uh, monolith was built, Mm -hmm. then they turned it over, the ownership over to the state of Georgia. Okay. So it's considered like a park or something. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Well, I mean, if you're cool with cows. And granite slabs. I'm in. You're going to love it. (laughs) And now, that thing in the middle. Today's thing in the middle, weird things that are banned around the world. Number five. In Malaysia, it's illegal to wear the color yellow. Shoes, hats, t-shirts, even your boxer shorts. It's illegal in Malaysia. Yellow is considered the color of protesters. You cannot wear yellow. You will go to jail in Malaysia. That's fascinating. Number four. Video games. 
The Greek government banned all video games across the country since 2002. They intend to stop illegal gambling, which accidentally leads to banning video games. Number three, in Denmark, naming a child. Oh no, you can name your child, but you can't name it something silly, at least in the eyes of the Danish government. You have to choose a name from a list of 24,000 approved boys and girls' names. <gasps> If you want to name your child something other than that, you have to get express written consent from Major League Baseball. No, from uh, the government officials. Now, this is interesting because I found in inside my soul, I'm very against this. Now, for some reason, I think that the government be able, should be able to stop you from having children in the first place, uh -huh. but they shouldn't be able to tell you what to name it. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my you, brain. You're a hodgepodge of ideas, young lady. Number two, the Chinese regime has banned jasmine from the mainland China. People are not allowed to sell it, grow it, or speak about it. Really? Why? After the Tunisian Jasmine Revolution, China thought Jasmine had a tremendous potential to destabilize its society. And so uh, Jasmine, the flower, suffers. And number one in North Korea, the weirdest thing banned is almost everything. People of North Korea are not allowed to watch TV, play music, leave the country, share opinions, laugh in public, believe in religion, drive, get connected to an outside world, or wear blue jeans. And you can't call North Korea, North Korea. It's just Korea in North Korea. You could go to jail if you call it North Korea in North Korea. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. So I was bragging on you the other day. On me? About how I came home from work and you were making me a HelloFresh meal. Mm-hmm. You know what's great about that is that the food turns out great and I can take credit for it um, when it's actually really quite easy. So what is HelloFresh? It's a meal delivery kit service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. And each box is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated trusted sources, you're going to get the best of the best. So you can enjoy not having to like plan your dinner or go and pick up takeout or whatever for an easy dinner. It's all right there. You don't have to worry about the gathering. Everything's there and it's perfect. You will probably end up trying some things that maybe normally you wouldn't think to try. It's simple and convenient. It's not a chore. It's delivered right to your door in recyclable, insulated packaging. And as we've mentioned before, it's amazing to me that they can time the shipping of an avocado so that when it shows up at your house, it's perfect. It makes me a little angry at the same time as incredibly satisfied. And your account's easy to manage uh, with the ability to choose your delivery date and match your ever-changing schedule and pause deliveries for when you're out of town. The thing that I really like is checking in on next week's menu news so I can see like what's available mm -hmm. and I can select the options and I'm all like ooh there's gonna be a balsamic reduction next week <laughs> I get really into it for a total of $60 off that's $20 off your first three boxes visit hellofresh.com slash box 60 and then enter promo code box 60 and if you want to see one of these incredible meals aka the meal that jg had made me when i came home from work the other day you can see it on instagram and facebook uh feel free by the way to tag your HelloFresh photos with hashtag hello fresh that's a total of 60 dollars off 
$20 off your first three boxes. Visit HelloFresh.com slash Box60 and enter promo code Box60. It's like receiving six meals free up to 50% off three boxes. So come on. If you've been thinking about it, now's the perfect time to try it. Tonight, I am making Chipotle taco casserole. Braggart. Join us. HelloFresh.com slash box60. Promo code box60. You get 60 bucks off. That's $20 off your first three boxes. And you also support the box of oddities. You know, I've got to say, I am, uh, I'm really proud of myself because for the first time in my life, I've remembered to take my vitamins every day. You're doing a great job. I also really like how you inject your fact that comes on the little packets of vitamins into my life every single day. We're talking about Care Of. It's a subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamins and supplement packs right to your door. And they have little fun facts on them as well as your name. So I get a text at least once a day (laughs) that says, hey, if your life was a movie, what would the title of your movie be? And then I go, are you taking your vitamins? (laughs) Is that what's happening right now? Because why are you asking me this? It's good for you and it's improved our relationship. You're probably asking yourself, how does this work? Well, you take an online quiz. It's very fun. It's enjoyable. It's a little click, click, click kind of thing. They find out about you and what vitamins and supplements you specifically need. Um, 90%, by the way, of people fall short of FDA-required guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. And Take Care Of's quiz will help you get the vitamins that you need. And this is important. Care of puts honesty first, so they provide all the research that supports each of their recommendations, backed by a scientific advisory board. So it's not like it's not like that. It's not like when you take your car to the car fixie shop and for you know your light came on for gas and they're like you need a new engine. It's not like that. <laughs> it's not like that at all. And you can track your progress with the Care of app and earn rewards for when you remember to take your vitamins. It's a monthly subscription box that can be easily modified at any time. Why haven't we done that app thing yet? We have to do that. I love earning rewards. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, also, there are vegan and vegetarian supplement options available uh, to meet your dietary needs. And Care-of offers pre- and postnatal supplements with accompanying research to help mothers and babies alike stay their healthiest. So for 25% off your first month of personalized Care-of vitamins, visit TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code box. That's takecareof.com promo code box for 25% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. You're supporting your body health and the box of oddities. Again, takecareof.com promo code box. Supporting the box of oddities. It's better than being beaten to death by a herd of angry wallabies with umbrellas. Not every box in the world should be open. Just, you know, the odd ones. This is The Box of Oddities. All right. What you got for me? Mm-hmm. What you got for me? Ew. Sorry. Today, mm-hmm. I'd like to talk about Grady Franklin Styles Jr. Okay, I love the name. A.K.A. Lobster Boy. I knew I recognized the name. So Grady was born... June 26th. Prepare yourself, by the way. This is bizarre. Okay. Okay. So Grady was born June 26, 1937, with a birth defect called ectrodactyly. Ectrodactyly. 
which is a malformation where the fingers and toes are fused together to form claw-like extremities. Right, right. And sometimes the feet can resemble flippers more than feet. Hmm. And so people refer to it as uh, lobster syndrome or the lobster disease because of the claws. The Stiles family had a long history of ectrodactyly, according to his father, dating back to 1840. So it's a genetic thing. And Grady Stiles was the sixth in a line born to Grady F. Stiles Sr. and his wife Edna. So Grady Stiles Sr. was a sideshow attraction in a traveling carnival. So Grady's father brought him into the act as a young boy. He was at the age of seven when he became part of the traveling carnival with his dad. With a condition affecting both his hands and feet, um, he soon became a popular attraction. He wasn't able to walk, so he used a wheelchair and he would crawl around and he developed very strong upper body um, and arms. He did uh, learn how to use his, I'm going to say claws, it doesn't make me feel good, Uh but it's easier to keep in mind what what we're talking about, sure, I think, sure. you know. So he learned how to write his name using his claws and shoot a gun. He would sit on a cushion in front of the crowd and greet them and say, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, I am the lobster boy. Hmm. So he became well known in the, the circuit and grew up and married a carnival worker by the name of Mary Teresa Herzog. Mary didn't suffer any physical deformations like Grady did. Uh, They lived together for about nine years before they were married, and she started performing herself as the quote-unquote electrified girl. Though I didn't find any details about exactly what that means. Um, It sounds horrible. It does. They had two daughters, Donna and Kathy, uh, Kathy who suffered from her the same condition as her father. Grady included them in his curious circus act, and they toured together as the Lobster family. Ah. And there were like postcards made of them all sitting together, all, you know, showing off their, their claws. <sighs> Again, that feels awful saying. It does. It does. It does. I don't mm. care for it. They're appendages. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the postcard showed them, you know, as this loving family with this one difference, you know, that kind of thing, except that wasn't the case at all. Grady was a violent alcoholic Mm -hmm. and he was uh, incredibly abusive to his wife and kids because he had this incredibly strong upper body and these incredibly strong arms. um, He would choke his family members. He would intentionally run into them with his wheelchair. He would headbutt them. According to Morbidology, Kathy would later refer to her father as Satan himself, Mm. and she recalled how he refused to let them go out in public without wearing large leather gloves so that people couldn't get a free peek at their hands. Yeah. You may recall um, a few episodes ago, I interviewed uh, James Taylor from Shocked and Amazed, Mm -hmm. who is an expert on sideshow attractions. Right. And uh, also for an upcoming episode, I interviewed uh, Baron Von Geiger, who was a uh, sideshow performer in Coney Island and uh, Venice Beach Mm -hmm. and a lot of places like that. And the general consensus coming from them was that Grady Stiles was an asshole. He was the worst. So eventually, divorce papers were filed and Grady won custody of the children due to Mary not attending court, which is just the worst And seems like the simplest thing that you could have done to win your children. Yeah. Then Grady married Barbara Browning, who produced another child, 
who Grady was also awful to. In 1978, Grady's daughter from his first marriage, Donna, wanted out, and she started a romance with a neighbor, 18-year-old Jack Lane. The duo soon got engaged. Grady had a real problem with this arrangement. Because it cut into his financial well-being? There, there were lots of theories that he wanted the, the family intact and as many lobster family members around for the, the sure, show. Sure, um, That he was jealous of Jack Lane and his fully formed body parts and that anyone who was coming into the family who was quote-unquote normal, hmm. he had real bitterness toward. And that he was just an asshole. Um, so the day before his daughter... Donna and Jack were scheduled to be married. Uh, Grady asked her fiance to come over to talk and then shot him to death. Wow. According to an article on Backpackerverse, Donna said that Grady smiled at her as she held her dying fiance in her arms. Oh my God. And said, I told you I would kill him. And then just kind of, you know, crawled off all wow. smug. So the trial was a media circus, of course. And in court, Grady openly confessed to his crime. He showed little remorse. Character witnesses were called, including the bearded lady, the fat man. Uh, Wow, it really was a circus. It really was. But Grady was convicted of third-degree murder. Um, Because, though, there was no state institution that was well-equipped to care for an inmate like him, he wasn't sent to prison. He was instead sentenced to 15 years probation and then sent home. Well, clearly he's a danger to other people. Obviously. He he shot a guy. Yeah. And killed him. Meh. Well, we don't have a place where someone with your shaped hands can sit. So why don't you just go home? It's fine. Yep. Let's not worry about this anymore. So Stiles stopped drinking and there was a honeymoon period for a couple of weeks uh, where he was acting cool and he told Mary Teresa, Teresa, his first wife, you know, he was uber sorry and that he was a changed man. Mm. That This whole thing had really turned him around. So they got remarried. No. Right? Can you imagine your mother marries the man who killed your fiance? No. 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 So he began drinking again, obviously, and his abuses continued. All three children were beaten with belts and threatened with murder. Mary as well. Uh, He would frequently shove his claw-like hands into their eyes. There were reports... In um, the Tampa newspaper, people saying that he would use his hands in in a very claw-like manner and just nip at people, like his family members. He would nip at breasts and Ooh. earlobes and anything that he thought would hurt more. He would just hurt people intentionally. Um, on one occasion, according to the Tampa Tribune... Yeah, Tampa Tribune. He attempted to rip out Mary's implanted contraception. With his lobster-like claw? Holy crap. On another occasion, Grady beat Kathy, one of his older girls, who was seven months pregnant at the time, so severely that she had to be rushed to the hospital for an emergency C-section. Mary later said that he would lie in bed talking about how he was going to kill his whole family and that he'd gotten away with it once already, so why wouldn't he do it again? Pillow talk, you know. Yeah, sure. Sweet. Night-night. Basically, the worst human. Yep. So November 1992 rolls around. 
and Grady, aka Lobster Boy, is sitting in his trailer in his underwear, and he is shot dead. His wife, Mary, and her son were questioned by police. Harry, who is also known as Glenn, okay, okay, uh, had an IQ of 79. And when he was questioned by police, he broke down after failing a lie detector test and totally spilled the beans. Apparently, there was a hitman. And his name was Chris Wyant. He was a 19-year-old sideshow performer and a neighbor to the Stiles family, and he was paid $1,500 in cash by Maria and her stepson, Harry. Can you blame him, though? Really? Wyant was convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 27 years in prison. Harry was given life in prison, and Mary Teresa was given 43 years in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. So he killed a dude in the street in cold blood and got to go home. Mm -hmm. But they arranged to have this abusive man killed and were sentenced to 27 and 43 years in prison. Uh, The scales of justice seem a tad askew. Maria stated in her defense in court, my husband was going to kill my family. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry that this happened, but my family is safe now. And that is the weird ass story of Grady Stiles, a.k.a. the Lobster Boy. That is incredible. Wow. I think it's a huge miscarriage of justice. That He should have been dropped into a pot of boiling water. Stop it. You know you got to edit that out. I I did not. That was just for you. I'm keeping that, though. No, you're not. And I'm keeping the part where you say I have to edit it out. No. And I'm keeping all of this. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Regardless of your physical impairments or abnormalities, quote unquote, your character determines whether or not we can make fun of you. And that dude can, is, anything is allowed. He I, is a dick bag. I suppose. Yeah, he was. He was a dick bag. I had no idea. I'd heard stories about right. what an awful person he was. I didn't realize that it, uh, it had reached these depths yeah. of horrible overlessness. I know, and the same here. I didn't know all of this. I knew he was the worst, but I didn't know the smug about it. Yeah, he was. He was really a, a smug little bastard. Yeah, he was. If uh, you're interested in the history of sideshows, we're going to be dropping a bonus episode sometime in the not too distant future, where I do interview uh, Baron von Geiger, who holds the world's record for lifting heavy objects with his earlobes, among other things. Among other things, he is a um, a world class sideshow performer who has uh, performed at the top venues. Amazing. You'll be shocked and amazed. Don't forget about our live show. It's coming up February 27th at Zany's Comedy Nightclub in Nashville. Uh, you can get tickets on our website, theboxofoddities.com. Click on the live show. I mean, you know how to click on buttons that yeah. say things that you're looking for. Exactly. You know that works. And if you enjoy that, this is a great opportunity for you to have some fun. Clicking buttons? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, we hope to see you in Nashville. The Box of Oddities, twice a week. We'll see you on Thursday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful, beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange. 
the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Someone reminded me of Goldschlager yesterday. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.